He says I seduced him when I told him I liked dirty stories. We were standing on a corner in New York's Lower East Side after a long day of trudging from one of his retail stores to another. At first, between incessant interruptions from his cell phone, he talked manically about progressive labor issues, manifest destiny, sexism, feminism, the mercantile lives of his grandparents, and selling home-bottled spring water in Hellman's jars as a child in Montreal. Then, he told me a story about humping a model from the nudie mag Perfect Ten. And that's how I ended up in a 10th floor suite of the trendy Maritime Hotel around 11 p.m. with Dove Charney, the 35-year-old senior partner and founder of American Apparel. I asked him how he relaxed. Oral sex. He says, settling into a chair behind a cloud of smoke. I love it. I'm a bit of a dirty guy, but people like that right now. I'm Sam. I'm Alexi. And I'm Biz, and this is Nymphet Alumni, a podcast about fashion and culture. And on today's episode, we're going to investigate the chaotic implosion of American Apparel in 2015 with a forensic recounting of the details of former CEO Dove Charney's various sexual misconduct allegations and reputation as a legendary pervert. This is part two of our series about American Apparel, so be sure to listen to the first episode if you want to know more. Founded by Dove Charney in 1989, American Apparel found astronomical success in the early 2000s, but in 2005, things took a lecherous turn. Recognized pervert Dove Charney was already in hot water. People were already questioning his character. It all started with the very brave Claudine Coe's fieldwork for Jane Magazine, which covers a few days in which she shadows the pervert in question during which he uh, pleasures himself in front of her multiple times while they're in conversation, an act which he refers to as underrated. If you want a little context about Dove's questionable behavior, you should read Claudine Coe's article, which we are going to link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, one quote I love from her article is, I watched trying to be objective and detach, sort of like a war reporter, um, I feel like this kind of is like she's alluding to the fact that being in a hotel room with Dove Charney is like being in Bin Laden's lair. So she was really in the trenches doing this field work. It's very brave of her. Yeah, she was like in William Williamsburg, I think. <laughs> in the trenches of <laughs> Lower East Side. Yeah, yeah. Lower East Side. I think that's where she starts it off at the the trendy maritime hotel like something about that i feel like he was probably dressed as um a sailor <laughs> yeah like hugh hefner's sailor hat he had it on and was smoking a pipe but that's just my imagination um you guys should definitely read this article and imagine it for yourself um it's really good so in 2005 four women filed sexual harassment lawsuits against dove and american apparel they were all former employees of American Apparel, and their names are Mary Nelson, Rebecca Brinegar, Heather Pithy, and Julie Carazzi. Heather Pithy and Rebecca Brinegar filed a joint suit, while Julie Carazzi and Mary Nelson filed their own separate suits. It's important to note that none of the women suing were alleging that he pressured them for sex. So the allegations were using crude language and gestures, conducting job interviews in his underwear, ordering the hiring of women in whom he had a sexual interest and giving one of the plaintiffs a vibrator. <laughs> and Dove denied all of this. And Dove's lawyer, Andy Kaplan, said of the plaintiffs, 
what they're trying to do is use Mr. Charney's openness about his sexuality as a weapon against him. I'm fighting for my life. It's inhumane to cast my sexuality in a negative light. It's the same as poking fun at a homosexual or a transvestite or a woman who sleeps with many men. How can you watch Tony Soprano and the next day be so antiseptic? Anti- <laughs> <laughs> well, I just say antiseptic. Uh, you can't expect people to operate in a vacuum outside of popular culture. So the first big case was filed by Heather Pithy and Rebecca Brenniger, and they were both represented by Gloria Allred. And for context, Gloria Allred is like a really famous female celebrity lawyer slash like legal girl boss. She represented the women in the Bill Cosby sexual misconduct case and the women in uh, Trump's sexual misconduct case. case um, and her firm handles more women's rights cases than any other private firm in the nation. So she's like, she like really likes women. Um, and this, this case was settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. And uh, we think that is partially because Gloria Allred is like a really good lawyer and she never loses a case. But what Dove was found guilty of um, was gifting Heather and a co-worker a vibrator at work and hiring a woman because uh, he thought that she was really hot. There was another case in this mix, and uh, that was filed by Julie Carazzi. But that case was thrown out and there's no settlement, so we don't really know what happened there. And then... The biggest one, kind of, out of this first batch of lawsuits against Dove was filed by Mary Nelson, who was a former employee as well. Um, And Nelson claimed that Charney subjected her to unwelcome and inappropriate sexual comments and suggestive nonverbal signals. And Dove, like, really, really made it clear that he thought that Mary Nelson was out to get him. And um, he said that she was the mastermind behind these suits. And at some point, he even, like, drew a diagram of how he thought the three of the four women, like, went up to the factory roof um, of American Apparel to conspire against him. Wait, one thing I think is really funny is that in all these cases, or a lot of them, they bring up that Dove is, like, (laughs) into doing these (laughs) sexual gestures, which I'm just so curious about. Like, is he, like, doing some jacking off motion? I think that's, like, funny, because I remember guys doing that a lot. But I also think think that motion is really satisfying. I think everyone should do it, kind of. Yeah. like, maybe not. Honestly, the- 2000s thing. Yeah, if it were my defense, I would be like, oh, I was just shaking my fist. <laughs> I think I can replace Gloria Allred. I have a defense case li- lined up for him for next time. Um, well, when when you graduate, you can... <laughs> when I graduate from Pratt Law School. I look forward to having you be my girl boss lawyer. Um... 
But so basically, this also kind of like Mary Nelson's case kind of like turned into also a wrongful termination suit. So it kind of got bigger because she said that she was fired after she told Dove that she was lawyering up about his um, pervertedness. So we don't really know how the Mary Nelson lawsuit turned out. Uh, This is like a really weird case because it got a lot of press for a huge breach in judicial ethics. According to what we've read, the case was scheduled for an arbitration hearing with a predetermined outcome in the favor of American Apparel. Mary Nelson was going to be awarded a settlement in exchange for a press release clarifying that Dove Charney did nothing wrong. Um, I don't really know anything about law, but apparently it's really unethical for an arbitration hearing to have a predetermined outcome. And... So for those who don't know what arbitration is, um, it's a form of alternative dispute resolution, and it's a way to resolve cases outside of judiciary courts. Um, The dispute will be decided by one or more persons, which renders the arbitration award. Um, That's just a definition we found online. Don't ask me to explain this even further. It reminds me of like having like court in like your kitchen. Like, you know what I mean? They're like, um, Yeah. It's basically what we're doing right now. It's kind of a, a model UN vibe. This is kind of an arbitration podcast. <laughs> we're arbitrating right now. Nymphat arbitration. <laughs> okay, so um, what ended up happening was that Mary Nelson's lawyer, Keith Fink, did not show up for the scheduled arbitration hearing. I really want y'all to remember the name of this lawyer, Keith Fink, because he's like a really bizarre recurring character in this saga. In the early 2000s, Keith Fink represented a cottage industry of cases against American apparel. Um, There's like a lot of articles written about how he wanted to single-handedly topple the company. American Apparel also released advertisements that tried to slander Keith Fink, just talking like mad shit on him. American Apparel claims that the predetermined arbitration was Keith Fink's idea and that he like re- retroactively denied his agreement. And that's the last that we could find on this case. Uh, I think it's been abandoned according to some of the court documents that I found. Um, but if any of our listeners want a shout out in the next episode, research the outcome of this case and let us know uh, because we really couldn't find very much beyond the like um, legal drama surrounding it. Yeah, if you have a login for one of those websites where you can look at legal documents, you guys should do us a favor. You also go to Pratt Law School. <laughs> you're, you're more gifted than Alexi. Yeah, the Pratt Institute for Legal Justice. <laughs> or legal women. Um, Celebrity women lawyers. Yeah, I meant, I honestly, I'm going to become Gloria Allred's unpaid intern. Which is also something we're looking for. Yeah, we're also looking for an unpaid intern. You should sue me. Yeah, wait, I want to sue both of you guys all of a sudden and then do like an arbitration on the air. (laughs) On air. Yeah, we should uh, podcast from a courtroom at some point. Oh, love that. I feel like that could replace everyone's obsession with like sexy Christian girls right now. Like it could be next thing to be like sexy... um, courtroom but i guess that's kind of girl bossy but it i don't know i guess it could be ungirl bossy somehow i feel like lawyer yeah we talked about this a little bit how like in the 80s and 90s like lawyers were kind of it you know yeah because like power dressing was really big 
yeah, Legally Blonde and things like that. Aaron Brockovich. But yeah, I did mock trial in high school, so I think I'm like prepared for this. <laughs> uh, do y'all think that um, shoulder pads came from the obsession with lawyers? I think it might have been a chicken and egg type of thing where, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just like women were entering the workplace and they needed a way to like make themselves physically bigger there was a whole book about <laughs> there's a book about it like power dressing and um how oh, wow that was their way of like taking up space yeah there's another book called sex and suits by Anne hollander which is about um suits i think uh, so you guys could also read that if you want the answer that we can't give you <laughs> um <laughs> okay so in 2008, Jenna Floyd files a lawsuit against Devin, accuses him of being violent towards her, telling her he was going to kick her ass and sexually harassing her. This case is brought up in Dove Charney call-out articles, but we have yet to find a story that mentions that it was dismissed with no settlement. And also maybe Gloria Allred's firm represented her. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this like part is very fuzzy, but anyway, Jenna Floyd... She was kind of pretty. I don't know. She has red hair. She's like very pale and looks like she has really small bones. Yeah. Um, good for her. But yeah, very good for her. She's aging really well, according to her LinkedIn. But back, back then, apparently, uh, Jeneline said that things got really out of control when Dove made several references to the Jane Magazine interview where he had received oral sex from an employee during the interview with Claudine Co. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, wait, okay, what did he do? Okay, so, but at, yeah, at some point, Dove, when he was talking about the Jane Magazine incident, asked Jeneline to pretend to masturbate in front of him. And she said that she refused to comply, and that's when Dove ordered some guy in the office to um, pretend to <laughs> uh, choke the chicken, and then he, and then Dove pretended to blow this guy. So, so this all is like understandably like really weird, but I guess uh, the court said that this was not illegal, or this wasn't <laughs> this wasn't. Um, he could not be punished for this behavior, it seems. I think she could have um, maybe exaggerated a bit. Um, yes. It's possible. We don't know. We're, we're not lawyers. We don't know how this works. Yeah, also, I got this. I copied this from TMZ when they recorded about this, or reported about this. And honestly, the phrase choke the chicken, I <laughs> am like, is that like, that's masturbating, right? I don't know. It has to be. Wait, is that like supposed to be because like the way that a chicken neck looks? I guess so. Um, yeah. So if anyone knows what that means, you can also tell us. Oh um, no, I found it. I found like a yeah. Okay. It it means to masturbate. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the theme of this podcast episode is the word masturbate. Yeah. Um, I found a book called A Gentleman's Guide to Choking the Chicken, <laughs> How to Masturbate Like a Pro. Is that like a British slang? I don't know, but I think we need to buy the book for research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Just in case. You never know, you know? Yeah, you guys should Venmo us. <laughs> we'll buy <laughs> we it. We shouldn't start begging for money. Yeah. Wait, I think it's time for a good boy intermission. Dove was also getting into legal trouble around the same time because he launched this campaign called Legalize LA, um, where he sort of advocated for the legalization of undocumented immigrants, I guess. And it made the American Apparel Factory a huge target for ICE because they were, you know, kind of questioning why he launched this giant campaign. And ICE raided the factory, and they forced them to fire um, 1,800 undocumented workers. And uh, they were eventually cleared from the immigration case, but apparently Dove was hiring undocumented immigrants and paying for English classes for them, paying them twice the minimum wage at the time, which is $12. Um, They had shares in the company. Uh, He sponsored visas and sponsored health insurance for them. So he got in legal trouble for that as well. We just wanted to add that in there because we thought that was kind of cute. Yeah, that, that definitely builds the new, like the nuance of Dove Charney, like at the time. Um, yeah, it's kind of his redemption arc in a way, but it also reveals that he does not think about stuff because his whole outspokenness about immigration reform was ended up like, yeah, as Sam said, making the factory a target. But I think the issue that ICE had was that their paperwork was just done really poorly. So I feel like, yeah, this is the beginning of a lot of their financial trouble and uh, the company, like the board, just saying that he's a really shitty boss and doesn't know what he's doing. Half of the fired employees had warrants on his public offering that cost $30,000 each. So kind of put a choke on their cash flow. Wait, so does that mean that they were receiving this money? Like, or what what is the warrant on his public offering? Honestly, I don't know because I like copied that from somewhere. <laughs> but what I think it means is like the company had to pay that, and they like lost a lot of money for. Okay, it. I see. Yeah. Okay. After our good boy intermission, we're back to bad boy hours. So picture this: the year is 2011, the year that Amy Winehouse died. The Occupy Wall Street movement started. Anthony Weiner's Weiner scandal, a historic earthquake in Japan, and Charlie Sheen's public bender. It seemed like the world was falling apart, but so was Dove Charney's career. Three women all accused Dove of sexual harassment and assault, and their names were Irene Morales, Alyssa Ferguson, and Tessa Lubons de Haven. Most notably, Irene testified that Dove kept her as a sex slave in his apartment. Irene filed a $250 million lawsuit against him. And this is likely the most well-documented case of the bunch. Um, He was accused of keeping her as a sex slave in his apartment. So, like, really bad. And also, she was only 17 when they met and 18 when a lot of this was happening. Uh, so the case was actually thrown out after various emails, text exchange, exchange, text exchanges, and photographs were submitted as evidence against the claim that the relationship that Irene had with Dove was non-consensual. The evidence was, um, posted on an anonymous blog, which is, like, very 2011, 
and later traced back to an American apparel employee that was like really tight with Dove. And apparently uh, Dove's lawyer actually advised him to do this, which is like really dumb that his lawyer said that he should do this. So um, I told y'all to keep the name Keith Fink in mind. He's the guy that had sort of like a cottage industry of lawsuits against American Apparel, basically trying to take down the whole company. There's articles written about him and um, a bunch of like ad campaigns that were slandering Keith Fink that were released by American Apparel. And we also mentioned that Dove's lawyer advised Dove to post all of the text exchanges and photographs, a bunch of nudes that Dove had with Irene Morales and also the other two women that filed a lawsuit against him. And the lawyer that Dove had was Keith Fink. So Keith Fink is now representing Dove. Dove literally hired the crazy, blundering lawyer who filed like a million lawsuits against American Apparel to represent him. And he told Dove to post all of the text exchanges online to publicly clear his name. And so the text messages are pretty much scrubbed from the internet. Gawker has some evidence of them, like some pictures of their exchanges. Um, We read them and you can look them up yourself. It's pretty clear that Dove was Irene's sugar daddy. For example, um, the text message that she sent Dove on her birthday when she claimed that he lured her to her apartment or to his apartment and uh, surprised her with a dildo and kept her as a sex slave, um, she sent him a birthday list asking him to uh, buy all the things on there for her 18th birthday. And she said, do it all for those I would give you and how I would and how I would love to do it again when I see you. And she also texted him, I bought a dildo. So um, the claims that she made against him were totally false and cleared up by like the text messages that Dove released. We'll get back to the text messages and the outcome of him posting that here in a minute. Um, But, um, you know, this is kind of like a complicated situation because she's really young. But also it's like absolutely clear that Dove was her sugar daddy and that she was almost like a early form of like the modern day sex worker um, of which there are like many who are 18 years old. Um, I'm looking at this one text message and it's like classic. Uh, it was sent from Irene at 5.37 a.m. and it says I'm in a bit of an emergency. My car totally broke down. I hardly ask for any favors. But can you lend me $450? We presume. Dildos. Um, And that is like the classic, like, if you ever go on TikTok and there's the girls that, like, tell you how to make money off guys on your phone, they always say, like, uh, just text them and say, your car broke down and you need, or you don't have gas, you're going your way to work and you don't have any gas. Um, and you'll like pay them back right after. So like the car drama definitely gives me modern day, um, not not specifically OnlyFans, but yeah, modern day grifting in a way. Yeah. So I'm of the opinion that um, this whole culture that is emerging around sex work, especially when in terms of like young women that are joining this workforce, I guess. Um, is like totally depraved and very exploitative and should not be normalized. Um, 
for a variety of reasons. But, you know, if we're going to, like, judge Dove Charney on his relationship with this girl, you kind of have to, like, keep in mind that this is, like, a very common thing that happens today that a lot of people treat as if it's, like, some sort of acceptable relationship between people and promoted, like you said, Biz, like, it's, like, on TikTok, the For You page, like, how to... It's, like, a life hack. It's, like, this is, like, a life hack. Um... Yeah, I, I also wonder in this situation, do you guys think that... So she's so young, 17, 18, like, really young. Do you think that because all these cases that happened and, you know, prior that gave her kind of the idea to fabricate this story? I think so. I mean, he had such a reputation. Um, I, I can't see how she couldn't have gotten the idea from all of the previous lawsuits and, like, the masturbation articles and all the times that he talked about how horny he was and how he's a pussy maniac or whatever. <laughs> Do yeah. we remember how they met? At the store, no. She worked at the no, store she, in Manhattan. She, she didn't have a job there. and bef- Like, she was hired by him after their relationship. She was, like... Oh, no, she yeah. She was unemployed. She was an unemployed 17-year-old. He was a neat. Um. Um, he gave her a job after their relationship. Like, kind of like in the middle of it is what I read. Um, she was begging him for a job in American Apparel in one text message, and he gave it to her. So um the lawsuit she filed also said that like he was harassing her as an employee and like I think that the relationship toned down after she became hired by American Apparel. And then also to mention that in that, like, blog post where um, there is a bunch of, like, posts about all of the, like, salacious text messages and images, it was the other two models that filed a lawsuit against Dove that were also involved in that blog. Like that blog. So their cases were also thrown out uh, along with Irene's um, because of the evidence there, like they also had um, sexual relationships with him and claimed that he assaulted them. Yeah. So there was evidence that it was all consensual, but because Dove posted their nudes online, he had to give them, he gave, he gave Irene $4.5 million in a settlement. And then we don't know how much they got in terms of settlements. But they also got the same um, settlement because of the, the <laughs> leakage. Yeah, it was like an impersonation lawsuit. They like they filed second lawsuits against him about the blog posts, um, which is like the most hilarious part of the story because Keith Fink um, is the one who advised Dove to do this, and he originally started off his career trying to topple American Apparel, and he did it. Like he was able to single handedly do it. Because Dove was fired from American Apparel because of the lawsuit of impersonation where he posted a bunch of, like, the text messages or whatever. And he was able to, like, single-handedly topple American yeah. Apparel um, when he switched over to their side. So there may be, like, a little conspiracy there that he has. That's just our own theory, though. Yeah, Keith Fink, like, oh, this is when we say you just got finked. <laughs> but this is, <laughs> you know, when that happens. <laughs> So, as Sam mentioned, the posting of the text messages and nudes was really the straw that broke the camel's back. It was cited as the reason Dove was removed as CEO in June 2014 and given a powerless consultant position as consolation. 
Um, so in 2014, Dove was offered a high-paying executive consultant role in the new American Apparel, but rejected it because he wasn't being given back control. He basically had no creative power. Um, and then after getting this fake position in June 2014, he was officially ousted from the company completely in December of 2014. Uh, this woman slash girl boss named Paula Schneider becomes the CEO and then they go, or American Apparel goes completely bankrupt in 2015. And yeah, basically the story of this is that Dove, after his string of lawsuits, was a legal liability and also a financial liability. I mean, he had these other just like flop schemes within the company. One of them had to do with a, I don't know, like automated shipping center. I guess we shouldn't get too far into that, but it was just like a money hemorrhage. And yeah, it, his kind of side of the story is that he says a lot that, wait, actually, I feel like I'm making this up. The whole character assassination thing. I mean, he said that all of these cases became fodder for his ousting of the company. Yeah. It's definitely out to, like, you're all out to get me vibes. Like, he kind of echoes that a lot when he defends himself, which yeah, yeah. I think grew in part. Yeah, the whole everyone's out to get me vibes, very, I mean, I believe him, but at the same time, it's also, like, a classic, like, manic mm. thing to say. But in this case, it really does seem I mean, true. I think he yeah. was, without a doubt, a pervert and without a doubt, saying really weird things to people while he was working. Um, but a lot of the claims brought up against him are really extreme, like kidnapping and shit. Like, that's kind of extreme to accuse him of. I think he was definitely a pervert, and he confirms that he is. Um, but there's, like, a very interesting uh, Business Insider article on the fall of American Apparel that if any listeners are interested in this, you should check out the article kind of claims that there is like a conspiracy against Dove Charney where like the board of American Apparel kept like a docket of his personal text messages trying to find some like dirty information to fire him for. Um, I don't know how corroborated this is. Um, they make a really convincing uh, argument for that too. So if you guys want to read more about the conspiracy, yeah, you should definitely read that. Um, for sure. Um so over the course of five years, Dove Charney was sued at least eight times based on allegations of sexual misconduct. He was found guilty of actual sexual misconduct once in the Gloria Allred case. And we don't know the outcome of the Mary Nelson case, but one of you with like a legal website subscription should find it out. <laughs> so guys, um, don't you think it's low-key funny that Gildan bought American Apparel's intellectual property? It's kind of a full circle moment. Because Gildan is a Canadian t-shirt company, but American Apparel was originally only called American Apparel, not because it was like made in America, but because Dove was like selling it in Canada and was like using that as their selling point. I don't know. He was smuggling <laughs> from the United States. Yeah, on like a railroad. <laughs> <laughs> and and in U-Hauls, he would do it on oh yeah. I, on Amtrak and in U-Hauls, he would smuggle American-made t-shirts. But now a Canadian t-shirt company came back for revenge and bought up the whole enterprise, which is pretty sweetly ironic. Um, and then after all that shebang, they 
continued to just like outsource American Apparel's production. So American Apparel is no longer uh, made in America. You know what is made in America is Los Angeles Apparel, um, which is Dove's new company. And Dove is very obsessed with Los Angeles. And he said, Los Angeles is one of the most exciting places in the country for manufacturing, for culture. And despite the higher costs, it's doing fantastic. This is not the America that Donald Trump has in mind. This is the America that the Rainbow Coalition had in mind. So to Dove, LA is kind of like the antidote to Trump's America. And he has, you know, I feel like comfortably left American apparel in the past because is he even American anymore? Like, I would like to check up on his paperwork, actually. <laughs> he's definitely, like, he's, like, a citizen of the world vibes. Yeah. Like, he's definitely, like, a stateless person. Yeah, I want to call ice on him. <laughs> deport him back to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Do they even deport people to Canada? Has that ever happened? Yeah, you can get, I think that it can happen. Actually, during Trump's uh what's the word for that presidency <laughs> presidency no there's a different one the trump administration they cracked out i know this because this happened to my mom's friend who's like an illegal immigrant from finland or something mm. in order they like started to make examples out of like white people that were also illegal immigrants just to show like oh we're not just going after mexicans so um yeah, actually, Dove would have Damn. been a great candidate for that. He would have fought them. I feel like he is very um, good, like, muscle memory. Imagine being sued eight <laughs> times in five years. And, like... You yeah. have to have good muscle memory. If Keith Fink represented him, he would have been deported, for sure. <laughs> Keith Fink represents him in his <laughs> deportation. You know, and home. Keith Fink right now owns his house, I guess. Like, they're still... They're still friends or something, and, like, he's still Dove's lawyer. Um, because right now it's, like, Keith Fink that owns his house, and then Masha Safdie and then Dove's dad that owns Los Angeles Apparel. Um, we have to remind everyone that Dove Charney's first cousins, so, like, basically siblings, are the, is the Safdie brothers of um, um, A24 fame. Yeah, and we think that we also think that they should make a mu- a movie about him, <laughs> a musical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that it would be really good if they made a musical about him. What would the musical style be like? I'm like, what's the equivalent of like Mutton Chops and Gym Shorts like musically? <laughs> they always work with like One Hundred Tricks Point Never. Oh yeah. Wait, he went to Pratt, actually. You think he should play Dove? Yeah, when a tricks point never went to the Pratt School of Information. Wait, you think that he should play Dove? I don't know what he looks like. I think that Dove should be played... What if they made Timothy Chalamet play Dove? <laughs> I... No. Is that whatever. <laughs> funny. It should be Harry Styles. He would be like the older Dove, like the 2020 Dove. And then Timothy Chalamet would be like 2005 Dove. But current Dove should be Joaquin Phoenix because like when he got really skinny to play the Joker. They have similar vibes. They're very like singularly minded. Like, you know, like he's such a passionate animal rights activist. Um, Okay, so 
You may be wondering, where is Dove now? So back when American Apparel pushed him out and they were offering him a consultant job and it was like really high paid, uh, he was he was not having it. And he said, they're going to give me this $1.6 million salary with millions in bonus potential, but I'm not going to be the boss. But it's critical for me to be the boss. That's where my pleasure is derived from. It's not derived from my money. I could sleep on the floor. Um, so we went to Los Angeles last week. And we found out that he is still sleeping on the floor at the factory at Los Angeles Apparel. We looked through a dusty window um, and we saw like a very faint, distant light of a candle um, and we saw a man covered in a dusty blanket on a pile of T-shirts <laughs> eating a can of beans and crying. Um, and that's where Dove is today. Yeah. And then we, like, stepped on a twig outside the factory and he, like, heard it. And then, like, sc- <laughs> he scuttered away. <laughs> and yeah. He was, yeah, he was still just wearing the underwear, <laughs> which he's got in trouble for. Yeah, but he started shaving, though, Loki. I actually am very proud of him for, like, getting rid of his mutton chops and his, like, pervy glasses. I think he... Honestly, there's no way those glasses... Like, that should have... Those glasses should have been used as evidence against him in court. (laughs) Like, how creepy they were. But you know what's funny? I I remember in our first episode, I said, like, how Terry Terry Richardson and Dove Charnier, I think, are associated in terms of, like, style and also this whole... um, pervert shit but he like literally wrote he like thought terry richardson was really ugly and busted and like was like yeah he said there's a quote he's like um when he's defending himself to claudine co when they have a second interview he's like i'm nothing like terry richardson that guy's a fucking creep um so it's just funny because they like have the same look. That's like me when I lash out at girls that look anything like me. <laughs> I'm oh, just God. like, oh, you bitches are so busted. Well, Terry Richardson yeah. is like yeah. saggy. Like he's like saggy in the in the throat. Well, Terry Richardson gives me is he a Protestant? You know, he's like a Calvinist. That's probably what he is. That's what I mean. There's that's they come from different stocks. The goy um <laughs> Dove Charney. Uh, oh nope, we're incorrect. Actually, his his dad is Irish Catholic and his mom is Jewish, so he just got like the bad lot of the genes. The Irish, he's mostly Irish. Not to shit on my own people. He's definitely mo- he's he's got an Irish um like jowl. Yeah, he's thing. very jowly. Yeah, it's like the Irish curse is jowls. That's why he got mutton chops to cover up his jowls. Oh, um, <laughs> also. Also, Dove, like, this is kind of a testament to the death of photography, or at least the death of photography as we were speaking of it in the last episode, like, male gaze photography. Dove's Instagram is just, like, these pictures of street front, I don't don't know, like, storefronts in LA, and he's just, like, my account is, like, a document of LA, and it's, like, kind of really lame. I don't know. It gives me art school vibes. I'm, like, go back to taking pictures of bitches. Yeah, I agree. It's extremely desexualized. Um, so like not to be shady to anybody. Um, all of the pervy men that I know um are now posting like photos of like cities and like storefronts and like um just like 
images of like they stopped posting their pervy shit. Um, and I would rather them go back to posting pervy shit. Um, I think they should embrace it and um, maybe I, I don't know if I should advocate for that actually. Um, but it is true. Like that's no, no, no. You're totally right. That's like a thing. It's like a pervy men, like existentially horny artists have had to like repress their existential horniness to a degree where they're only posting photos of the city around them, which they should just post photos of the things that reminds them of sex, like around the city. That's what I. You do you think that like they like skylines because there's like a certain status in skyline pictures, even if it's like um, just taking pictures around your city, just like living in a city has like a certain status. I mean, I think so. I don't know what they derive from it. Um, I'm not seeing any skylines on Dove's account. It's really like, it's also so funny because all of its captions are like Chinese food and EBT. That's Los Angeles. Like all of them say like the Chinese the food and EBT. Yeah, oh they're God. all just like, uh, I don't know, random pictures of like a Korean food restaurant and like Korean food. That's Los Angeles. I'm like, give it up. Oh, yeah, you're right. He does the same format every single time like this is like a dilapidated um beauty store you know the, you know like the um stores that also sell like party yeah. supplies <laughs> yeah it's like party supplies and beauty salon that's los angeles in a way he kind of gives me trisha paytas vibes and that <laughs> like this whole account they're always like latino or like korean related and i feel like he has like a sense of identity loss and that's why he leans into like his immigrant worker vibes so hard is that like a really overestimation i don't know no i was about to say the same thing that he i think that a lot of the trend i've seen of people just like resorting to posting they're almost like um and i don't know if this is problematic to say but they there's like a trend right now with like posting like sort of like the seedier um, bizarre parts of your town that are more like complex. A lot of times they are like dove posts, like just sort of like like traditionally Mexican neighborhoods or something. Um, and um, there is like a sense of like identity loss where they're just like projecting maybe their own seediness onto like a seedy atmosphere and are trying to just like express this in a way that is not problematic. It's always like guys always post it like this, and then they're it's diagnosed as an honest portrait of the city or something. And it's just like why? Because there's like a bunch of text in Spanish. Like what? I don't know. A lot of a lot of doves is, seems to be like text based, like just literally pictures of signs. I've never been to LA except that time when we went last week and like threw a beer bottle into the window of the LA Apparel Factory and scared dove, but. Yeah, we had to leave really quickly because we were feeling shy. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting also about the, the that he always posts signs. It's like posting signs when your whole entire career was visually defined by like, ambiguity. That's like so funny. The literalness, the literalness of signs versus like his horny ambiguity is really crazy. It's like he's always been attracted to that though. We talked about how you know, the original graphic style of American Apparel that they never let go of with the bold Helvetica, like that's American Apparel, whatever, was derived from their classified ads for wholesaler magazines. 
And I think he just is like attracted to like big words or like bold text. <laughs> it's because he can't wear his pervy glasses anymore, so he can't read anything except for like giant letters. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why they started with like t-shirts because he wanted to use t-shirts as like a platform for language. Because that's like originally what American Apparel was. Like people just buy it and like make like band tees or some shit. Yeah, he loves the written word. He was basically a publisher in a way. That's very true. I mean, I think um, the biggest question when it comes to Dove Charney's character and whether or not we're going to come to agreement about like whether or not Dove is a good or bad person is like the question of like, how bad is it to be a pervert when you're an artist and how perverse can you become as a person when you are an artist? And I think like we mentioned in the last episode, it's like you need to like derive your artistic spirit from some sort of like libidinal core. Um, And if you repress that, I don't think that your art is going to be very good. In the case of Dove, his art is like all about sex. And we all loved him for that. You know, that's like why everybody loved American Apparel and, um, you can't really have it both ways, I think, where it's like you get this like great, horny, sexy brand that you get to wear, um, but the founder is this like very prim and proper and respect respectable man. Yeah, that was something I saw echoed a lot actually uh, like 15 years ago with the first batch of lawsuits because – People like this one woman who was in charge of like a certain clothing trade union and union in Los Angeles that Dove was a member of got asked by I think like the New York Times or something like what her opinion on the case was. And she was like, Have you seen American Apparel? Like, you can't have a brand like that and expect the CEO to abide according to your moral standards. So, yeah, it seems like people were bringing that up idea back, uh, bring that up even then. Uh, But also at the same time, workplace sexual harassment is not okay. And there is definitely a line between like an atmosphere that's conducive to creating erotic ideas and products and one where employees are subject to harassment, especially because in the workplace, obviously, there's a lot of power imbalances and those are very real, especially in like a big company like American Apparel. So even though most of the cases against Dove were thrown out, he probably was overstepping lines routinely, and these sorts of allegations should be taken seriously and properly investigated by, like, um, the proper uh, people who, like, know what they're doing, not, not us. So, yeah, this stuff is definitely something to take seriously um no yeah like i totally agree i think it should be taken seriously obviously but this is like even more reason to stop giving credence to claims um to like false accusations you know ones that were unequivocally proven false like the majority of them in dub's case you know um the one that was true was he like gifted someone a vibrator in 2005 you know that was like the one thing that was like not unequivocally proven false, you know, um, and like fabricated accusations of the sort undermine the seriousness of real accusations. And it's like not only horrible for the person that was falsely accused, but it puts women in very dangerous situations. Like 
leave all women mentality is dangerous because it's like a boy who cried wolf situation. Like people aren't stupid and they know that others exaggerate. And sometimes women won't heed real warnings about men because people cry wolf so often, even when there's like unequivocal proof that there isn't a wolf or whatever. Um, so. Oh, fuck. Okay. Well, okay. It sounds like you just got hit by someone. Um, <laughs> sorry, I like hit my funny bone. Okay. Oh, <laughs> sorry, that just like took the wind out of me. Um, Sam, it's okay. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. We all finish the podcast. And, um, um, so now you guys know what we think of Dump Charney, and we would love to know what you guys think. So you should comment on his Instagram. <laughs> Let's rate his Instagram and comment on his pictures of Korean restaurants and dig up his history and you know make him think about it again and maybe tell him that he should contact us immediately and we'll like send him nudes or something <laughs> and also we're gonna contact keith fink and we're gonna, we're gonna actually we're getting keith um, fink to represent us in our, which, our our next episode we will be forensically investigating working um that's also gonna be of a similar theme because I think we're going to um, unpack the perversity that none of us as children ever recognized in Rookie Mag. And in retrospect, it's quite disturbing. Um, And also, you know, cute, a cute childhood memory, I guess. I don't know how to um, process that yet. I think we all need to have like a therapy powwow to discern how how this happened and arbitrate it. Yeah, Keith Fink is going to facilitate all of this, I think. Honestly, this is like Rookie Mag versus this, the United States of America. <laughs> We're bringing it to the Supreme Court. Well, I think that the next episode should be called Rookie Mag versus the United States of America. I'd like to have a word with Tavi Gevinson, please. Um. <laughs> um, so, I guess that's all.